I just had like had like a whole shiver just like run down my spine. Poor oh my god, it's because Natalie's singing that song. Probably. Open up your heart and let the sun shine. It's a ripple sun shining. Oh, it's fun. Hey girls and ghouls, welcome to Slashers Prefer Blondes, a podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're heading to the Tilden Morgue and Crematorium to dissect Andre Overdahl's 2016 film, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. From the director Andre Overdahl, who is famous for doing Troll Hunter back in 2010. If you guys haven't seen that, I definitely highly recommend checking that one out. I love that it's movie. It's so good. I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. Oh, it's like it's like a black comedy. Oh, okay. I don't really think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. I don't think it's funny. I just think it's cool. No, I think it's really, really funny. But it's also very much so my humor. Laura, I think that you will enjoy it. But he mm-hmm. also is the director from the 2019 Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Which is bad. Which is fine. Um, it's not bad, but it's fine. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I also did not see that one because even though Guillermo del Toro was involved, I I really loved those books when I was young and I watched the tra- again and I can't judge it too much by the trailer, but based on what I heard from other people who had seen it, they mostly said it wasn't really worth checking out, which is unfortunate. No, if you but saw the trailer, you saw most of the movie, honestly. Yeah. Exactly. They give a lot away in the trailer. That sucks. This movie is rated R. It's got an 87% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's like a pretty critically acclaimed film. I think that it is like one of those kind of like indie movies that is very easy to access on streaming services normally mm-hmm. and uh, has like sort of a cult <laughs> reputation for being like a really strong entry into the genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also inspired by, it's not like based on a true story inspired by, but he took inspiration from one of my favorite scary movies, The Conjuring. Yeah, no, he like saw The Conjuring and then like mm-hmm. called up his agent or something and was like, mm-hmm. get me a horror movie. Stat. Get me one <laughs> like that. And I feel like you can really see like its influence. Like The Conjuring, yeah. there is a very clear aesthetic vision to this movie. But I also yes. think that that's something that you see mm-hmm. very often in this director's filmography. Mm-hmm. Like we're... Yeah. We can shit on scary stories to tell in the dark all we want, but like it has a very clear aesthetic point of view. <laughs> I also say it's very, it doesn't try to reinvent the wheel. Like it knows that it's using conventional scares and like leaning on the basics, but it does it so well. And I appreciate that. I mean, one thing that I will always appreciate, and like we can talk more about this when we actually get into the nitty gritty of the plot. And it's also something that The Conjuring mm-hmm. does too the payoff of a well-executed jump scare. There are a couple of instances in this Mm -hmm. movie where you get like a really good set-up, fake-out jump scare, Mm -hmm. like in order, where it just is like super, super effective. And because this film is so good at like kind Mm -hmm. of steeping everything in that aura of suspense, you really get a good build-up. And the mystery in it is so, so good. The script is, like, phenomenal in terms of, like, how it unfolds what's happening and how it just doesn't give you all the information. Love that in a movie. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm a really big fan of this one. This is Laura's pick, though. So, Laura, would you like to explain why you chose this movie this week? (laughs) Sure. I mean, I think you both already did a fabulous job of highlighting the main... mm, Not advantages, but... Attractions. Yeah, the main attractions of it and what makes it... A noteworthy film and and how it adds to the films that have come before it but i you know how when you google a title of a film and like on the right side it comes up with a little blurb mm-hmm. so i watched this movie because i googled the title i had heard about it i googled it and saw that the first words were like father and son coroners and i was like i'm in i'm watching this movie i don't care this is going down and it was it was great essentially it's in my mind it is feminist body horror so that's you know that is my shit so that's what i love to see 
Um, and I'm sure we'll get into why why I might call it that. But it's a cool take on body horror. It's a different way of doing it. It's more subtle, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of literal at the same time with the dissection of the mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And it's a it's a neat twist on the revenge narrative, especially a feminist revenge narrative. The protagonist is usually very active or the person seeking revenge is a very active agent. But this is kind of more passive in that it is a or she is a corpse in a sense, but she is still mm-hmm. able to assert her agency and enact revenge while literally just lying on a table. So it's mm-hmm. a really cool. I thought it was a really neat way to play with that subgenre. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. One like really yeah. fun fact about me as like a person is that the kind of body horror that I am the most uncomfortable with is like medically associated body horror. Me too. I for some reason Wow, no, sorry guys. No, like this movie was fine, but like I for some reason get really, really squeamish when it comes to like medical stuff. Like I can't watch like medical surgery mm-hmm. tv shows yeah same. even mm-hmm. like watching like gray's anatomy sometimes i'm like nope can't do that like <laughs> i have a really like weird mm-hmm. issue with stuff like that and this movie i think touches on that aversion in a way that i like because like obviously i like watching things that creep me out but also does it in a way mm-hmm. that's still like very like beautiful and palpable palatable not palpable yeah. palatable because, mm-hmm. like, there's obviously some, like, gross stuff in there. Like, when they open up her mouth and there's no tongue in yeah. it, and you're like, oh. I will say, like, yeah, none of this movie, like, really grosses me out. Like, it makes me uncomfortable, but none of it is to the point where I can't watch it or I feel like I have mm-hmm. to look away. It's, yeah. like, gory without being bloody or, like, Well, that's the thing. It's extra. not it's not exploitative, which yeah, body horror can be. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very, I kind of want to say subtle in a sense. But it's not over-the-top gore. It's not gross-out images just to invoke a visceral reaction from you. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of just, you know, these are people dissecting a body. This is what happens. And you're just yeah. kind of an observer as if you were there just watching mm-hmm. them do their job. Yeah. It's not like, oh, look at this. Look at this heart. It's so gross and we just yeah. ripped it out of her it's like this, oh yeah we surgically you know, we precisely removed this and it's not vampire <laughs> or, know, like, now we're going to slice into the intestines and see what's you know it's just yeah it's done in a way that doesn't seem like it's just trying to gross you out yeah all right guys buckle, buckle. up if you start doing that song in the background <laughs> i'm gonna start laughing i just want you to be like Super I still have the lyrics up just in case that. the it's strange. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fine. The fictional town of Grantham, Virginia has been rocked by a mysterious, very bloody multiple homicide with no clear motive. Even more curious is the naked body of a young woman found half buried in the home's basement. At the town morgue, father and son duo Tommy and Austin Tilden complete the autopsy of a heavily burned corpse. Okay, so a couple of, like, fun little tidbits. One, the sheriff is played by that guy from Game of Thrones, Bruce Bolton. Oh, yeah, yeah Bruce that's Bolton. Him. He sucked. No, he doesn't suck as an actor, his character. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, His American accent's pretty good, though. Is he American? I don't know. But, yeah, like, his, agree. his accent is pretty good. Brian Cox is playing Tommy Tilden. He's the dad. He's also, he's well-known right now for Succession on HBO, which is a really fun show. And he's also a horror vet. He was in the remake of The Ring with Naomi Watts and the Trick or Treat movie that came out, oh, a while ago. I forget what year that came out in, but he's the old man in the house. Yeah, and he's putting the razors in yeah, the candy. He's the one who fights. Is uh, that him? Okay. What's the little guy's name? Jack? Sam. I said Jack because of Jack Lanterns. I'm not, I don't remember. I've seen Trick or Treat, I promise. <laughs> it's a I, good guess. I understand. But I mean, it's that more like sense. Sam Payne. <laughs> but yeah, he's that guy. Yeah. And then the other thing that I... I don't... Emile Hirsch is in other stuff. I don't know anything off the top of my head. Let me pull up his IMDb. Speed Racer. Speed well, Racer. That's... Into the Wild. Into the Wild, I think, is the one I don't know. most I think that he's super cute in this movie, though. From... Oh, for is. sure. I was actually thinking, like, what happened to him? I feel like I haven't seen him in anything in I forever. Know. And then I, like, looked him up on IMDb, and he's certainly been in stuff, just nothing I watch. I mean, yeah, he's just an innocent little little guy. <laughs> Not little guy, but he's just an innocent guy who doesn't know what subdural hematoma looks like and what it is. Mm-hmm. And he's just trying his best. 
and he wants to help his dad out. I mean, he's he's cool. The script does a really good job of giving us a good idea of who these characters are pretty early in the film. Also, like they yeah. cast it really likable actors, which mm-hmm. I think also helps. And I really like mm-hmm. the first scene we see them in the actual morgue together. We got the music blasting. They're like working together like they've worked together for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And then I also like that scene where Tommy starts questioning Austin as soon as they're finished. I'm like, that's such a dad thing. I really, really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like quizzing him over what they've just seen. Another fun tidbit. Jane Doe is actually played yes. by a person. Her name yes. is Olwen Catherine Kelly. Yeah. One of the reasons she was cast is because she does yoga and she can control her breathing. But they actually have her present for most of the film. Like, it's usually her on the table. So she's just, like, laying there for, like, eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, other than, obviously, the parts where they're There were a lot of scenes where they were, like, if we have a a fake body, it'll be obvious because of how, like, up on her they are for so much of the film. So I think that's really awesome. She does an Mm -hmm. amazing job, obviously. Yeah, I mean, she's such a a big presence in the film Mm -hmm. without really having a huge... Yeah part you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but that that kind of is how it has to be because it's she is the center of the film so it's kind of like yeah the challenge of having her be she's kind of the she's the antagonistic force in the movie but she's also one of the main characters without i mean she's listed as the third star on the wikipedia page so yeah all right yeah i'm gonna jump back in it so as we mentioned they try to riddle out the cause of death for this heavily burned man and austin is convinced that it had to be smoke inhalation but tommy reveals that this person died of a subdural hematoma which is i guess a really bad brain injury bleeding in the brain tommy explains that every body has a secret to hide but some just hide it better than others while austin cleans up and prepares to go on a date with his girlfriend emma he is startled by their cat stanley making sounds as it climbs through the vents, and then again when Emma jumps out and surprises him. Loved that introduction for her. I love this character. Like, I, do I too. She's not on the screen for very long. Like, she doesn't have a lot of time. But, like, she is so fun, and her and Austin are so cute. Like, honestly, I know that a lot of this is the actors just being very likable and, like, being able to, like, really embody the scene. But, like, the script yeah. does such a good job of introducing us to these people mm-hmm. and having us, like, understand them, like, so quickly. And I know I've said that already, yeah. but, like, I just cannot. Every mm-hmm. time I watch this, I'm like, we know exactly what's going yeah. on here within the first five minutes of, yeah. like, actually meeting these people. Yeah, Absolutely. you can instantly tell how absorbed Tommy is in his work and how he's mm-hmm. kind of the mentor to Austin. And But Austin's a little reluctant to kind of. Like he even mentions later, mm-hmm. he's kind of reluctant to take over. He doesn't necessarily want to be doing that as he gets older, but mm-hmm. he feels such loyalty to his dad and he's trying to help him get through a rough emotional time. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely see that mm-hmm. way early on in the film. Yeah. Really? Just like the first 15 minutes of this film just set everything up so perfectly. I also really, it's, really it's like enjoy that like class. in this first opening scene when like Austin meets up with Emma and then we follow Tommy and like walk to the office. We're already getting a really good sense of the geography of this like morgue area, which is mm-hmm. going to become mm-hmm. so important later because we spend so mm-hmm. much time in this part of their home. Yeah, and I like that. You know, sometimes when a film takes place in only one location, it kind of becomes boring. But in this sense, the location is so unique and so just inherently creepy that it mm-hmm. works. It, I mean, it's a, a real strength of the film, I think, that it all takes place down in the morgue and mm-hmm. the various rooms that they kind of I'm also travel like a between. huge fan of the set design. I love the styling of this basement area. I think it's so good. Yeah. And I really like the use of color in this movie. I know that we're still like really early on. I'm already talking about this, but like I really, really like how vibrant and saturated everything is except for Jane. Who's like so, Who's so, like so white, white and was like playing off of mm-hmm. the like bluish vibes of the actual like autopsy room. I think that it just works so, so well. And Mm -hmm. it makes it like really, I think, more dynamic to watch than a movie that's a little more desaturated because there's like a warmth to it, which I think really helps Mm -hmm. you like endear to these characters and like feel more comfortable in the settings. And when we start introducing more Mm -hmm. of this like creep factor, it really Mm -hmm. feels like it's invading in on something that is like, quote unquote, safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really Mm -hmm. inviting. Everything about this film invites you to be interested and invested yeah it's also kind of a neat neat thing that the morgue kind of looks like a house it almost looks like it is, it's, I think it is their house, house that has well, been converted 
I oh, think so. It's their actual house. I, f- I feel well. I just yeah, thought it was like kind a of like a, a, a house that had been converted into a morgue or something. I don't know. Sometimes things like that happen. I think it's happen. their actual house. I guess it could be a funeral parlor oh, upstairs. Well, yeah. I mean, if that's the truth, then that's even more to my point that it's a place where they feel very comfortable. They feel in control. Yeah. They're doing their thing. Um, and mm-hmm. that makes the, the creepy stuff and the invasion of those evil forces. I don't even want to say evil, really, but the supernatural forces. Mm-hmm that much more Mm. jarring. Emma insists on seeing this morgue where Austin works and finds her way into the autopsy room. She asks if she can see one of the bodies, and Tommy surprisingly agrees despite Austin's protests. The body Emma chooses to see has a bell around its ankle, which Tommy explains was used by old-time coroners to be sure the person was really dead. And of course he like tricks her and it's really funny but also scary. I mean, she asked for it, so. She did ask for Okay, but, like, here's the thing. Here's what I, this kind of makes me not like Emma, just, for like, real quick. If I walked into a morgue, my first thought would not be, can I see one of those dead bodies? Well, that's that the thing. She's like, she's, like, daring herself because she wants to, I don't know. There's, like, a, a morbid curiosity to it. If you know that the bodies are in there, so it's like, what do you want to see? Well, you want to see the bodies. I, I understand I, maybe that's just it. Me. But I also, like, I, when I was watching it this time, I've seen this movie a lot of times, but I always, like, forget the way that they respond to her when she asks that. I always assume they're going to be like, no, that's, like, Mm -hmm. disrespectful for you to, like, ogle somebody's corpse. (laughs) But, like, that's not even brought up. I guess that was just me. And, like, I feel like that's, like, Well, I mean, Tommy spends, (laughs) I mean, I feel like most people would react that way, but Tommy, throughout this whole film, just, like, doesn't want to give personhood He's very, like, we're just here to figure out the cause of death. I think that's the point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it's the point. Yeah, it makes the ending hit that mm-hmm. much harder. Well, it also could be a sense, a, a strategy for detachment for him, because if you just look at them as bodies mm-hmm. and you don't think about, you know, why they ended up there or how, well, he does figure out how. So if you don't think about why they ended up there, it yeah. helps you to kind of stay emotionally detached from mm-hmm. the trauma that you're seeing every day. Yeah, it also kind of reminds me of that Bowman and Scream when they're like, there's no motive because, like, there doesn't have to be or whatever. Did you get that vibe? I honestly, I've always, like, read Tommy's insistence on keeping the extra stuff out of it as just a way to ensure that they're doing their job most effectively. Because, like, if you're coming up with a story about what could possibly happen, it could color your views of the evidence in front of you. Yeah, like, true. like at the very beginning when Austin thinks that it's smoke inhalation that killed the guy that they're looking at. And um, Tommy mm-hmm. says, look before you leap. Because, you know, actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's not what you think initially it is based on whatever prior knowledge you have or whatever you think you know about what yeah. happened to them when they died or what the, the mm-hmm. context of their death was. That's a good point. But yeah, I think the whole insistence of focusing only on the COD is one of the major themes of the film. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Austin pushes back really helps define his character in contrast to For sure. Tommy. Yeah. All right, keep going. So Austin and Emma prepare to leave when the sheriff arrives and wheels in Jane Doe. Austin hesitates about leaving and ultimately chooses to stay to help his father, whom he insists could use a hand and someone around since the death of his mother hit his father hard just a couple of years prior. And he's still not Mm -hmm. over it, understandably. He asks Emma to come by later and they'll catch a movie once this is done. Stanley the amazing cat, immediately does not like the body of Jane Doe and hisses at it before the sheriff says he needs to know the cause of death by morning as she's the only piece of this puzzle that he can't quite figure out. Tommy and Austin get to work, starting with a physical examination. Jane Doe has no outward signs of trauma, which is really weird. She has no scars, no bruises, and nothing that would indicate anything odd has happened to her, but they discover that her wrists and ankle joints have been shattered and her eyes are oddly clouded over, a sign that a body's been dead at least a few days. Even more odd, when they examine her mouth, as we mentioned earlier, her tongue has been crudely cut out and one of her molars is missing. Austin tries to take a picture of Jane's face, but the nose starts to bleed like and a, a good, fly a crawls moment. out. Spooky. It's so good. I, <laughs> the way that her nose like twitches just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah I really like wild. this whole like, wow. like original setup because like, I love mm-hmm. the very slow, like, this is weird sort of feeling that kind of washes over the two of them while they're doing yeah. that. Like, that doesn't 
doesn't yeah. make sense that doesn't make sense either like that's that was also strange yeah like and then like it builds up to the the like it becomes more unsettling yeah, like the slowness as they of the bleed and the fly and then like you cut to that kind of abrupt moment mm-hmm. where he opens her mouth very good yeah mm-hmm. uh, and of course they continue to examine her body and they discover that piece of string in her mouth and then like clear signs of yeah. vaginal trauma yeah. so like this corpse is fucked up but mm-hmm. doesn't look like it exactly. i also love that they're so shocked by it too i think that that mm-hmm. really helps like set the mood of the film like it's yeah it's completely confounding one them, thing that i do like about this movie as a whole like you do get that like very common in horror trope where like one person believes it's supernatural and the other person doesn't believe it's supernatural yeah but like even though tommy mm-hmm. disagrees that like something is going on you never actively see them like argue to the point where like something goes wrong or you never see tommy yeah. like actively get in the way of austin mm-hmm. working to solve the problem mm-hmm. there's no like actual obstacles brought yeah. up by that it's just like a sort of like tommy understands that something weird is happening he's looking at the evidence and he's like this is strange i will admit that this is not right there's no like ardent yeah. denial mm-hmm. the way that you would normally see in like a ghost movie where mm-hmm. someone's like there's nothing here and then like mocks it you know what i mean there's none yeah. of that yeah Mm-hmm. I was I was about to mention that like in all like the possession films or like most haunted habitation films, usually the husband doesn't believe the wife and is like you're just going crazy mm-hmm. or you're too stressed or whatever. Yeah, but then he gets fucking attacked. So then you can't really yeah. deny it after that. I mean that happens. I think probably halfway through the film. So I know I'm yeah. jumping ahead, but like once that happens, you know Austin even says like you mm-hmm. can't say she's just a body, and Tommy's like, well, yeah. I've, but even yeah. then he's like but <laughs> yeah there are markings on me now so he's like it's hard for me to grasp what this means mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. i really like yeah like what's our next step how yeah. how do we there's go not a lot here? of like beating around the yeah. bush which i like we have this mystery and they're like willingness to accept it based mm-hmm. on like mm-hmm. scientific evidence which is just that this is like a fucking weird situation mm-hmm. and it only gets weirder as they move into the second part of their autopsy mm-hmm. which is the internal examination And just as they're about to do that, a thunderstorm kicks up out of nowhere and the radio station changes on its own and starts playing this really creepy version of this song called Open Up Your Heart and Let the Sun Shine In. Face it with a grin. (laughs) Smilers never lose. (laughs) And frowners never win. So let the sun Giant. you skipped the part at the beginning where I'm it talks about the, the devil which song. is the scariest part well yeah but that's the spookiest part because the way that they do it, it it's like do the devil it like, it's, it's it, like about warps. the devil it does too <laughs> and i've learned to hate him so but it definitely changes whatever anyway it's hmm. a great effect it's great it's spooky moving on so even though jane's body on the outside looks perfectly normal the interior is She's a completely so other story she's like not good she's really (laughs) fucked up and it's odd when they make that first cut into her body this blood just like comes pouring out of her which is a sign according to tommy of a very fresh corpse despite the fact that the rest of her body seems to indicate that's not true inside they find a strange substance beneath the skin that austin collects and when he goes to put in the fridge the fridge is like dripping blood the blood sample from Jane Doe seems to have broken, I think is yeah, what's happening. Yeah, it looks happening. like it either like broke or like I think so. out. Yeah. It's like really, really cool looking though. Like the way that they have it in the fridge. It looks like it's it just cool. like kind of like came out of the, like it had a mind of its own. Yeah. Yeah. It I do really want to talk about, I really like the way that they shoot the autopsies. I like the editing, like how it kind of jumps around a little bit. Yes. Like not in a, like a jarring way, but in like a way that makes it mm-hmm. seem like they're really real practiced. I really, really, really like the scene where he cuts the ribs. I know I mentioned it earlier. I I love it because I really, really love the way that you have like that awful noise and you see her body shake. It's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also think one of the most interesting things about the autopsies for me is when they're starting to like dig into her, it like cuts to her face a lot. Like you're expecting her to react. I love it too because it kind of humanizes the situation Mm -hmm. a little bit. You know what I mean? We're like, we're not... We're not just looking yeah. at her body. We're also consistently cutting back to her face to remind us that, like, she is a character in this mm-hmm. movie. 
and like obviously like once you find out like the sort of twist at the end well one thing i wanted to say about that is that i this kind of goes into my overall reading of the film as feminist body horror but i appreciated how the camera visually fragments her body so it 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 makes me think about how women's bodies in general societally Mm -hmm. are fragmented and kind of dissected in a symbolic sense so it was just like the camera's kind of reflecting the tendency to think of women as pieces of their bodies Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm so just fragmenting them in that way which reflects how they are physically socially and textually Mm -hmm. fragmented on a larger scale Mm -hmm. and it also manages to present jane without ever like sexualizing her like, I mean, the first mm-hmm. time we see her on the screen, she's got, like, a boob out, right? But it's not <laughs> sexy. Excuse me, you have your boob out. It's just, Are it's you aware like that one. your boob is out? <laughs> but I, like, I find that really impressive about the film. Because, like, she's just sitting there naked on the slab. And she doesn't ever mm-hmm. seem, like, sexy. She's kind of mm-hmm. scary. Yeah, so Austin's cleaning up the blood. And Tommy points out the woman's ribcage seems to be warped from excessively wearing a corset. Even more alarming than that are her blackened lungs, which are far too dark even for the heaviest chain smoker and would indicate that the body should be covered in third degree burns. Just as puzzling as the various scars and cuts on her other organs, with all these wounds, her external body should have shown physical signs of trauma. Their work is suddenly disrupted by the sounds of banging on the door. Austin volunteers to check it out. Before he rounds the corner, he looks at that reflective corner mirror and sees a person standing there. That's creepy. That's one of my favorite devices of this film is the corner mirror. Mirrors are just so scary. Mirrors are just so scary. They are. (laughs) All right. I personally, this is one of those possession or like ghost movie tropes that I'm like not usually a fan of. An unrelated entity like appearing and terrorizing the people. Like I get that she's like using the corpses that are already in the morgue as like a way to torment them. Yeah. I just don't really find it particularly compelling. Yes. Yeah. I also might feel that way because I've seen this movie a few times. So like. I can see that. I I think that the mystery surrounding her body is so much more interesting than the standard scares that we get. But I do think that all of the scares in this film are executed so, so well. I mean, I was thinking the same thing because after I've seen this a few times and this most recent time, I was just kind of like, well, it does add the scare factor Mm -hmm. and it does make it creepy. But really what. I don't think the walking corpses are really adding anything to the story. And like you said, I get that that's the device she's using to Mm -hmm. get to them. But after a few viewings, it kind of feels like it doesn't, there's not much to it. It's not really accomplishing much for the narrative. And it doesn't detract necessarily, but I don't think it adds. It's a way for them to kind of fill in the middle of the film i think yeah i i think it works yeah, in like sure. that it's like a torture without being physical but i mean i i totally understand what you're saying but also these are my kinds yeah. of scares from my kind of movie so i'm like well yeah, i like yeah. that I was, like, I was about to be like <laughs> yeah i think that a lot of it's also like a personal preference yeah, like exactly i i just sort of gravitate more towards the atmospheric yeah. mysterious aspect of it as opposed to like the yeah more straightforward and that's that's scares. easily the best part of this film though like nobody's gonna watch this movie and be like oh man those scares were so good like we're not watching lights out you know we're watching this for like right. its atmosphere well, i will say it is a good way to balance out or counterbalance the threat that she poses because while she is a major threat she's not an active threat so to have that kind of physical external threat that isn't her does mm-hmm. liven it up a bit no pun intended yeah but uh mm-hmm. but yeah I will, like, argue, though, and we'll kind of get to Mm -hmm. this a little bit later, that, like, some of the more effective, scary moments in this film are moments where you don't see these entities at all. Like, I would agree. um, When Brian Cox's character gets fucked up in the hallway when it's all foggy, like, you don't see the person who's attacking him at all. Well, I mean, you see them a little bit. You see, like, a shadow, but that's, like, it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I might have I might have missed more, but like you, you, it's really really hard to make anything out, and I think that that is oh. more effective to me than like seeing a foot, right? Or I mean, yeah, that's seeing a fair. silhouette. You know what I mean? But once again, that's just me. I would argue though that I think her manipulation of these corpses helps explain what happened in that house, though. So it is, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of it, like important to this narrative. 
just in like trying to understand what she can do and like what happened at that house because that's also part of the story is like trying to figure out what happened yeah i also like this is like another kind of overarching question is i'm like is she even actually manipulating those corpses or is it all just yeah. like a hallucination in their she's constructing yeah because like a lot of the stuff we find out didn't really happen so like right I thought which I think is very interesting and like one of my favorite things about the end of the film we'll get to it more Mm -hmm. later but um that's also something I was thinking about watching it this time because like we get some really really good fake outs on behalf of Jane Doe and Mm -hmm. thinking of them that way makes it a little more interesting to me but like it also isn't really you don't really notice that until the end so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back to the synopsis. yeah yeah so obviously no one's around the corner when he looks and then odd noises start to happen in the vents again. And when Austin tries to look inside, he's startled by something darting by. He, of course, falls to the ground and makes this huge ruckus, which draws his father to come check on him. And Tommy's been checking out the body and discovered that there's some really odd symbols on the underside of Jane's skin. Cool. Before he could investigate all these weird markings further, he cuts his wrist on this exposed rib and now has to check on his son. And when they investigate the air duct, they find Stanley has been attacked. So sad. Stanley. So they put him out of his misery and cremate him. Which is, I think, a really, really good character beat. I think that... He just, like, snaps its neck. So much of this movie is also about grief and, like, processing trauma. And responsibility. Perceived responsibility. Yeah, and I, Mm -hmm. I definitely think that this scene was a really good sort of insight into how these two characters are like processing that grief Mm -hmm. i also really really liked that we did not know stanley very well obviously and we also don't know these characters super well but like i felt attached enough to these characters that i felt really bad for them when stanley died obviously like you know you kill an animal it's gonna be sad but like i felt bad for them not like just Mm -hmm. the animal and I think well, yeah. that that shows a lot of skill on behalf of the mm-hmm. writing direction and acting that, like, I felt yes. so invested. Because they are the two main characters that we are able to relate to, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be that sense that we care about them maybe more quickly than we would in a different type of film, because they're kind of our point of perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely fair, but I also think that it kind of depends on the movie, because I've... I've definitely seen instances where like there's a larger cast and the character mm-hmm. introductions are still good enough that I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I care about these people. Mm-hmm. I, think I mean that, like Scream. For yeah, I was literally just thinking of I was thinking about Scream when I was saying that. <laughs> I got I you, was, girl. Like, I'm thinking about Scream. <laughs> <laughs> Me at all times is thinking about Scream. Um <laughs> <laughs> But like I definitely I just I just really, really appreciate the amount of care Mm -hmm. that goes into like actually giving us people to care about and root for in this story because i feel like so often especially in like low budget indie horror movies we get a sort of two-dimensional setup for some characters and like we're so dependent Mm -hmm. on atmosphere that we don't really get to like really feel for the people we're watching and Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. obviously that's not like a universal problem there are a lot of movies that don't do that but like that's yeah. what takes a movie from like decent to great for me is just having that character connection mm-hmm. and like having like a strong foundation when it comes to like the people we're watching in a film. Yeah. Right. I think it's easy to fall back on like horror tropes because it's easier and you know, it's something that you expect. So I think to your point, putting emphasis on character and not like relying on that and making them feel really human just really elevates this film. Yeah. It works especially well in this movie because so much of it is us just like mm-hmm. kind of watching them understand and yeah. or not understand. Yeah, and, and like yes. that could become boring so quickly, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I think it's also yeah. a testament to their acting because oh, I sure. mean, if you can definitely yeah. tell that there is like a father son, I don't know if I want to say chemistry, but kind of a chemistry between them, and that you mm-hmm. know, you can really tell that they are feeding off of each other and reacting to each other's reactions Mm -hmm. and almost that they have a pretty close bond like they would if they Mm -hmm. were actually father and son yeah there's like a history there yeah Mm -hmm. and the the relationship between them does feel like really lived in for sure Mm -hmm. yeah like they've been doing this for years and they're you know a really well-oiled machine for sure so tommy's understandably 
upset about Stanley's death, as it was one of the last few things he had from his wife, but shoves it all down to continue the work. As they cut into one of her organs, Tommy finds Jimson weed, a northeastern native plant that acts as a paralyzing agent. And they continue to dig around in her organs as the storm rages on and eventually find a piece of perfectly intact cloth with strange writing and symbols on it wrapped around Jane's missing tooth. That's fucked up. Austin deduces that this all is too weird and it seems really ritualistic like Jane Doe was some human sacrifice. Tommy reminds Austin that the why isn't going to help them establish a cause of death and shuts him down. Well, it might a little bit, actually, Tommy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that, yeah. He changes his stance on that one pretty quick. (laughs) He's freaking out and clutching even tighter to what he has always known because that's his only way to hold on to to his rationality. Yeah. Yeah. The radio behind them warns them that the storm is worsening and they don't want to get caught in it before ominously proclaiming that they're not going anywhere. You're not I going love anywhere. that yeah. line. It gives me chills. Yeah. I love it so, so much. The <laughs> then that plays again. I like, genuinely like, don't like that song. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I was thinking about this when I was like working on my notes and I was like, I love that one of the tropes of like some of these modern horror films, especially around this time include like a spooky song, like insidious. Mm-hmm. Through the tube. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah. You know, I kind of just love that. Yeah. No, oh, I do I too. Yeah. That. Repurposing things that maybe always felt a little creepy, but have never been yeah. like directly associated with something creepy. I think that in some films, it's a little more effective than in others. Agreed. I like it when people like go to the like side, like step to the side of that trope. I think a really good example of that would be in The Strangers, where there's like a country record playing in the like oh, the yeah. first chunk of the movie. It just like makes everything feel so much more dense, just because there's music playing when it's been so quiet for so much of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I like about this is like the sort of jarring difference between the music they want to listen to and the song coming back on. Yeah. Yeah. I- That's a good point. Because they're definitely listening to, like, upbeat rock. Yeah. And then there's this spooky children's song from, like, what, the 70s or 80s? Yeah, the shift in tone is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tommy continues to see more markings on the skin and finally peels it back to reveal the same marking on that odd cloth that they found in her body. Very cool. The lights in the morgue suddenly explode and the power goes mm. out. The slabs seem to roll out and we hear, like, bodies thud to the ground. Oh, the bodies of the morgue. <laughs> finally spooked Tommy agrees they need to leave because that's what it takes <laughs> my favorite line of the movie is when he goes let's get the fuck out of here yeah <laughs> because it's yeah. exactly what Bye. someone would say I don't I do oh, not like man. it in, in horror films when the characters are like we can we can take this on we know what's happening or like they're just overly courageous mm-hmm. i love it when characters yeah. are like yeah this is fucking messed up we're getting the hell out of here that's actually yeah. the thing that i like the most about insidious like i'm not a huge insidious fan but what i really really yeah. like about the movie insidious is that they actually fucking move they're like nope bye <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly not like let's stay and investigate a little longer so that we can find out what's really going on. Like they eventually get yeah. there, like, but yeah, like the initial like, reaction oh, is projecting in your sleep. Or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. But the initial reaction is like, fuck no, let's remove ourselves from this situation immediately. Mm-hmm. So they try to leave, but the elevator doesn't have enough power and the storm door is mysteriously blocked by a fallen tree. Their attempt at calling for help on their phone fails as well. So they are trapped here. And just then, they hear the jingling of a bell. And when Austin gets down on the ground to peer beneath the crack of the office door, he sees a corpse shuffle up. The corpse tries to bang down the door and Austin insists that it's Jane Doe. Because why not? Having torn his wound open, Tommy goes to rinse it out in the bathroom. The curtain to the shower moves ominously and Austin swears that he sees a shadow standing behind it. But when it's open, nothing is there. I have a couple of things I want to I wanna say. Two Go things. For it. I didn't think about this until I turned the page in my notes and saw it, but I really, really love the reaction to them realizing that the elevator is not working every time they try to use it. Like, (laughs) I just think that it's so relatable, like, (laughs) like uh, being in such like an (laughs) intense situation and then getting into the elevator and not working and then being like, Jesus Christ. I'm like that. I really, really like that little touch. I also really like, because you see it again later after we 
get to the the murder part i'm not gonna like, I'll spoil it thank you yeah um, we see it again there, and it's, like, really good when it happens there. But, like, yeah. the way that he's so tense when he's on the phone trying to reach the sheriff. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. so, this vibes. I also, like, did you guys think when he got on the ground to look at the foot, I was, like, so sure that something was going to, like, hit his eye or something. I don't no. I don't know why. I, no. I was just so, like, what's going to happen to your face? I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think that's because I was just like, oh, I know this trope. I know this scare that I was like, I know what's going to happen because like, I mean, this whole, yeah, yeah, this whole film is like so rooted in classic scares that I I don't know. I I guess some of them are predictable. Something was going to come out and like jab him or something. I don't know. I was just like, that would be spooky. Yeah. He was putting himself in a slightly vulnerable position. Yeah. I mean, you'd have (laughs) to get like a thin object to poke him in the eye, but I mean, she's, she's a, she's a ghost. (laughs) She can do whatever. I mean, yeah. I mean, she's she's not a ghost. She's a witch. <laughs> what? That's spoiler. a spoiler. <laughs> I'm gonna leave. <laughs> no, come back. You can't JK. be like she's not this, and then get mad at me when I say what she is. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I guess that's true. I'm sorry. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> luckily there so, was no jabbing of the eyes or the face. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy, though, gets suddenly yoinked out of view and the door slams shut. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's attacked and thrown about the room by something he swears has the same cloudy eyes as Jane Doe. I also do really enjoy that they really aren't pulling punches when it comes to, like, fucking, both fucking with the characters, but also, like, physically harming them. Because, like, Tommy's not doing so hot by the end of the film. Like, Mm -hmm. before even the end happens, he is, like, he's, he's struggling. in pain like <laughs> they could go further oh, yeah. obviously like i'm not saying this is like the best example of that i think a, a movie that does that really really well is that movie the alligator movie crawl oh that was a good they one. don't hold back when it comes to like fucking up no. those two people mm-hmm. yeah but like you see something similar to that they're like they actually are they are harming these people like it is happening like he mm-hmm. is hurt yeah and it, there's a reason that it's him too i think yeah mm-hmm. there's a reason that it's tommy and not austin yeah yeah, he's like older too, so older guys can't take a hit as well. Yeah, no, I I think that's really interesting that they like he's like an old man and they're like hurting him. Like I'm like this is interesting. Yeah. But he was he's not like a frail no. old man, but he yeah, he's he definitely sad. It would he's maybe just sad. be would take he's a little bit sad. more damage. But he has to yeah. because he his mind has to be changed. So Yeah. Yeah. So they decide that they're going to cremate the body to try to end their problems, but are shocked when they enter the room to discover that all of the organs that they've removed have decomposed rapidly. Yeah. That's one of my favorite moments it's of the cool. film. It's cool. I did Just not like, understand. Fun okay. fact. I did not understand what happened, so that makes sense. I couldn't, like, understand yeah, what they, he was saying, so I was like, what happened? Yeah. All of a sudden, like, everything that they've removed from her just, okay. like, looks... Yeah, like it's, been it's like shriveled and stuff. I do remember what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. And just as they get ready to wheel her out of the autopsy room, the door shuts and locks behind them. Yeah. Austin tries to hack a hole into it to help them get out with this hatchet or fire axe or whatever it is, but one of the reanimated corpses steps in front of the door and blocks their path. Yeah. With apparently no other option available to them, they douse it in gasoline or alcohol and set the body on Honestly, fire. Honestly, like, valid, though. I would just be like, get out yeah, of yeah. here, girl. <laughs> I love, they're just like, yeah. fuck it. <laughs> We're doing it right and here. One of my other favorite moments of the film, instead of it burning her, it just spreads to the ceiling and the surrounding areas yep. Yep. before it, like, suddenly goes out and she's pristine as ever. And yeah. she just kind of consumes it. Like, her body absorbs it. It's, which is really yeah. cool. And it like lingers on her face. It's really cool. Yeah. Tommy and Austin hear the elevator door and try to make a break for it. They manage to get inside, but are having trouble closing the doors. Cause it's like this old timey elevator. Mm-hmm. I guess we should have said that earlier. It's like an older building. It definitely needs some improvements and more than two ways out. Damn. The corpse with the bell on its foot continues to shuffle closer and closer until finally Tommy whacks it with the hatchet. The power suddenly comes back on. And Austin hears this muffled groaning. And when he goes to check, he realizes that Tommy didn't hurt the corpse. 
it was Emma who is now dead on the ground. I think that this is so well done because I want to be real. I completely forgot about Emma until they show her on the ground. I was like, Mm -hmm. that makes so much sense. And then I also really like it because when you find out that everything is kind of happening in their heads later, or at least she's manipulating stuff, it makes sense that she got down there easily like Emma did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause the, so the movie sort of explains something that could be confusing in the moment. I just, I really, really liked that scene. I think that that trope is hard to execute really, really well, but I think that they do a really, really good job of it. Absolutely. That kind of creates a link between Tommy and Austin because Austin feels responsible for Emma being there in the first place because he just keeps saying, yeah. you know, I, I asked her to come back. So, you know, the reason she was there was mm-hmm. he feels because of him. So he definitely yeah. takes some of that guilt on. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot like his dad who's bearing this mm-hmm. guilt of like not recognizing that his wife was suicidal and depressed. I really, right. really liked that conversation. I thought that it was really mm-hmm. well done. I also really like the sort of character note of the dad calling his wife Ray, like Ray of Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you get the song also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a nice little connection. There's also, yeah, there's also the connection between, because I was thinking about why is he so, other than being, you know, a coroner who's trying to find the cause of death, why is he so caught up in the fact that the internal damage and internal trauma is not reflected externally? Like he, he's so yeah. hung up on that for obvious, like I said, obvious medical reasons. But the mm-hmm. other reason is probably because it reminds him of his wife and how she appeared to be yeah. so happy and bright on the outside but was carrying a lot of Mm -hmm. was struggling a lot on the inside and how he could not he couldn't see that so he feels responsible for what happened Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of his failure to see those for that internal trauma reflected externally Mm -hmm. yeah no yeah i also had that written down i love that i Mm -hmm. think that's like really clever i didn't even think about Mm -hmm. that like that's a really good like it's a really good note Mm -hmm. i think that while we're here because i think i forgot to mention this when we were When they were in the bathroom earlier, like a Mm -hmm. couple scenes ago, I think that is the one place where we get like that really, really good jump scare where like we think that there's something behind the shower curtain Mm -hmm. and then he pulls the shower curtain back and there's nothing there and then there's like a pause and then something attacks him. Yes. Oh, I think it's so good. Yes. Like that's that good conjuring jump scare logic. And the door slams. Very, very big fan of that. Love that one. The elevator that they're in turns out to be a bust. And Austin convinces his dad that Jane Doe must be trying to hide something from them and they have to find out what it is. As I try to get to the autopsy room, Tommy is repeatedly attacked by corpses, but Austin remains untouched. They manage to get into the room and proceed to the final step of the autopsy, analyzing the brain. I love how they're just like, their surgical gowns or whatever they're called, they're just, they've ripped those off. They're just in their regular clothes. They have like yeah. blood on them. They're just like, okay, fuck it. We're just, we're cutting into the mm-hmm. brain now. Let's take to this it. chick's scalp off now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Austin takes a sample, but when he analyzes it under the microscope, the cells are miraculously still active. They can't find a cause of death because Jane Doe is still alive. That moment fucks me up every time. And then I love how Austin immediately says, we lit her on fire. (laughs) We took (laughs) out her heart. (laughs) And Tommy's like, she's got some sort of energy, man. Like, I don't know, but I'm fully (laughs) like, I'm fully in the supernatural realm now. (laughs) When your vibes are just that powerful. (laughs) (laughs) I like really, really like this part because I like how this is the moment where Tommy's like, click i am in this now this is what happened i have it (laughs) just like Mm -hmm. let me let me spell it out for you son i got this (laughs) yeah and now he's like he knows exactly what he needs to do like he says something like Mm -hmm. um she's not going to stop until and austin's like Mm -hmm. until what and then of course we cut away to something that distracts us i also really really like the way that it's shot when he leans forward to talk to the corpse i like how you mm-hmm. get like that shot reverse shot of their faces like they're having a conversation. I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention, just a little, little thing that I really liked was when they go back in to finish the autopsy, they reposition her her neck so that before when you see her face, her mouth is open and this mm-hmm. time it's closed. So it changes her facial expression slightly so that yeah. she almost looks like she's very much in control. And she almost looks mm-hmm. more sinister. 
So before she kind yeah. of seemed non-threatening because, you know, when your mouth is open, you don't really look very intimidating. Yeah. But then they reposition her neck and she looks just scary, kind of. Like she is, that's a good she point. definitely has control over the situation. And that's the point in the film when she is gaining so much more control over mm-hmm. them. I just thought that was a really nice touch. Austin then proceeds to examine the cloth that they pulled out of her body and realizes that if it's folded just right, the letters read Leviticus 2027, which is a Bible verse that condemns witches. And Austin suddenly puts it all together. And everything points toward Jane Doe being from the Salem witch trials. And as they continue to follow that train of thought, they arrive at the conclusion that Jane Doe was innocent of being a witch, like everybody that was accused. But the torture that she endured inadvertently made her into a witch. She could feel everything that they had done to her then, and she's feeling it all now when they autopsy her, and she wants revenge on everyone who hurt her, including Tommy. Tommy tries to bargain with Jane Doe to try to save their lives, and suddenly, all of the injuries and trauma that they found on her body starts to inflict itself on Tommy. And with each injury, Jane Doe's body is restored to its pristine form. At least on the outside. I really love when they show her again and her eyes are brown. Yeah. I love that. And the way, Mm -hmm. yeah, the way she kind of regenerates as he's breaking down is really, really cool. Yeah. And the way they show the, like, the ankles, like, snapping into place. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like how we get the major character development from Tommy, who is realizing what's going on and kind of sacrificing himself for his son. I mean, he thinks he's doing it for his son. Mm -hmm. We we know that that ultimately doesn't happen, but... I wonder if it's, like, partially because he ends it and doesn't, like, finish the... all the trauma she went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I like that we don't know. Mm -hmm. Right, but I definitely feel like it ties into the kind of feminist tone of it, or theme, because it's like, this is a, a woman's body that has been a site of major trauma, and has been manipulated and mutilated by other people. And here is a person who is slightly, you know, responsible for it in one sense, kind of feeling her pain, experiencing her suffering himself, and atoning for, I guess you could say, the sins of others in in that way. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was significant that he is the person throughout the whole film who's focusing solely on Mm -hmm. her as a body in a very material way, and not really paying attention much to her story or, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledging her as having been a person. So I, I Mm -hmm. thought it was, it had to be him who experienced the pain and the suffering that she did Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And he's like going through it. Mm -hmm. It's a ritual. Yeah. Like he says, this is her ritual. In order to put his father out of that kind of misery, he stabs him with a scalpel. And suddenly hears the voice of the sheriff who says they're clearing the tree and he needs to try to open the door. Okay. Watching this last time, I do not know if I thought this the last couple of times I watched this, but watching this last time, I was like, Austin, be smarter. That's not real because he only says mm-hmm. Austin's name. That's he true. does not say Tommy's name at I all. Didn't he only that. says Austin's name. I did not. I literally, I was like, that is such a good, that's such a good clue that like, yeah, the sheriff mm-hmm. only is like, Austin, 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 are you there? Austin, we're trying to move this tree. Like he keeps saying Austin's mm. name. He does not say Tommy's name. And like he and Tommy are on like first name basis. So like, yeah, I guess like I thought he said that because he could only hear Austin yelling. No, he says Austin before he even acknowledges anything down oh. there. Like Austin hears his name first from mm-hmm. the morgue man yeah i mean yeah, he'd be so good? fucking he just killed his dad so like, i know i was uh, like yeah. and like i like, i could totally yeah. understand like watching this and i probably didn't even notice that the first couple times i watched it if you're paying attention that's such a good clue that she is literally controlling mm-hmm. this entire operation after austin realizes that the sheriff is another hallucination and is singing that spooky song He comes face to face with his father's corpse and stumbles backward, falling to his death down the stairs. The next morning, the sheriff arrives and has yet another mystery crime scene on his hands. They load Jane Doe into a van to go out of the county, and as it drives off, 
the radio station plays that spooky song again, and Jane's big toe wiggles ominously. Do you think the wiggle was just to be like a little wink at the end, or do you think she is actually going to come back to life? You know, they say she's living, but is she actually going to be able to move and speak? And I mean, that would be lit. Like, I'm wondering if you think that is the implication, because I'm not sure. I thought it was like a little. I wink. don't. I don't think so. I think it's a wink. That's what I thought too. Because it, it it like comes with the bell, the bell ringing again. Yeah, that's what I was I was leaning toward, and I was like, well, what if they're implying yeah. that she's gonna like, yeah? But that makes yeah. sense. Just kind of like a ha ha. Look at this. She's mm-hmm. not dead. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she never was, but she's still not. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't yeah. brain dead. <laughs> And that's the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yeah, and they, I really, the really footage was destroyed too, like the camera that they were. Oh yeah, they had set up. I think it it burns up in yeah, the fire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine them like watching that? Like, yeah. Oh boy, I do love the end when the radio comes on and it's like, oh, we're on our fourth day yeah. of mm-hmm. clear sky, fourth day yeah. of sunshine. I was like, exactly. God, it's so she was in control the whole time. Mm-hmm. So and also, so I like I like the lines where um, I think Austin is saying like, "Why us?" and Tommy's like, "We're in her path. We're in her way. It's it's nothing, you know, against yeah. us. It's we're just kind of collateral damage." And by that time, he's accepted it. And probably mm-hmm. knows that he's going to try to sacrifice himself for Austin's sake. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's after he said the until thing. You know what I mean? Like, he right. knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So, yeah. Like, any concluding yeah. thoughts that we want to share? Honestly? I mean, before we, like, jump into, like, the feminist stuff or? Honestly, I don't really have a lot. I don't have any more to add. That's kind of, like, mm-hmm. all I had mm-hmm. to say about the movie. I think the the best parts of this movie are things I already touched on. I really, really like the camera work. I really, yeah. really like the script. I think the acting's phenomenal. Like, I, I just really think mm-hmm. this movie's really watchable. And it's just, like, a really, really good study in the way that suspense can be done effectively mm-hmm. without compromising, like, entertainment. Because you get a lot of movies yeah. that, like, are, like, ooh, the atmosphere. But it's, like, boring as fuck. Whereas this one is fun to watch likable characters yeah. but still like mm-hmm. completely rooted in that like suspenseful mystery mm-hmm. yeah totally when i like ended watching this not this most recent time but when i was making the summary i was like i don't i don't know what i'm gonna say about this but like as i started to think about it i was like oh there's like some really interesting like metaphors and like themes in here that i guess i hadn't really thought about mm-hmm. but you know what's really interesting though because like you've been bringing up like the feminist revenge mm-hmm theme yeah the first like i guess this is my fourth time watching it the first like three times i watched it that didn't even cross my mind that like that's what this was i was like oh it's just like another ghost coming to attack people (laughs) yeah you know like yeah yeah and then as i was like researching i found a really cool like medium article where somebody talked about this and i was like oh that's really cool i love that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think the having a woman's body as the focus of the film already kind of primes you to, at least it primed me to think about, okay, what is it saying about, you know, if you were to extrapolate mm-hmm. and, and perhaps generalize yeah. a bit, you know, what is this, what is the message it's giving about women's bodies in general? And it's, it's interesting because they're very much focusing on the material, the materiality of the body. Um, in the sense that they are literally mm-hmm. dissecting her and looking at each component and analyzing it very medically or scientifically. So in that sense, it's kind of positioning you to mm-hmm. think about a woman's fragmented body. But it's also in doing that, emphasizing that everybody has a story. So each part that they're looking at mm-hmm. is helping them piece together what happened to her as a person and not, not only looking at her as a material body. So I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that ultimately it was it was saying that it's kind of pushing it back against the tendency to think of women in terms of their physical bodies and as nothing mm-hmm. else, and kind of encouraging yeah. audiences to consider one what kind of trauma that women's bodies are often put through, and two yeah. what is actually going on in their lives. What's the context of that trauma? That is also important to consider and not to just think as women, think Mm -hmm. of women as simply bodies to manipulate and torture. 
I also think that if we look at the way that the three female characters we have in this film are sort of affected by the men in this film, that also kind of sheds light on that. Because, like, obviously you have Jane, who is being quite literally dissected by these two men. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then you have Emma, who is kind of pushed aside by her boyfriend early she's in the film. Ditched. Like you can tell, yeah. you can tell that she's kind of exasperated. Like this is not the first time he's blown her off. You can tell that he spends a lot of time complaining about his job, and she seems kind of sick of it. You can see mm -hmm. that like she's used to being kind of brushed off, and then she's like physically harmed by them later in the film. And then yeah. you also get the story about what happened to their mother and how like she was going through all this inner turmoil and was you know kind of neglected by mm -hmm. her family and that's like one of the reasons that she committed suicide and mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of nuance to all of those stories right. but like we all kind of emphasize the idea that the two men that we're following in this narrative are still like not seeing a hundred percent the like humanity or like the multifaceted nature of the women around them which I think is yeah. really interesting mm -hmm. and like something that I haven't thought about until I heard you talking just now. But I was like, wow, like <laughs> you think about it, all three mm -hmm. of these women are in some way harmed through yeah. sort of a misguided, like just like a lack of empathy in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's not like any of this is done maliciously. It's not like they're bad people, but it's just the mindset that they have, I guess. I think it's mm -hmm. definitely Tommy's mindset in that his job has kind of programmed him to think of people in a very material way and not to consider anything else about them. And I think with Austin, mm -hmm. it's just, I don't, I don't know about Austin. I think he's, I think, I think some of it is kind of like a basic selfishness, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a self-centeredness, mm -hmm. which like isn't uncommon in guys. But like, yeah, <laughs> just like this idea that like he's more centered in his own issues right now than instead of like hers. Yeah. And like, obviously, we don't know enough about their relationship to really like unpack that fully. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, you see, he's not 100% taking into account what she's feeling in the mm -hmm. couple of scenes that we see with them. Yeah, together. well, it, like definitely yeah. when he's kind of blowing her off or he's saying that they'll go see the movie at a later showing and... Mm -hmm. She's like, you're lucky you're cute or something like that. And he's he's like saying, you yeah. know, don't smile because if you smile, that means yes. And he's kind of just trying to like play it off and like try to put her in a good mm -hmm. mood and kind of discount her feelings in yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. Which again, is yeah. not, I don't think it's done with, you know, he's not yeah, trying not to be an asshole. Bad. But yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess that kind of answers my question because like in this like read of the film, like Austin was the piece that I didn't understand, like why he dies. Because in a lot of respects, he is trying to, like, understand her and, like, give her personhood and show her, like, dignity and, mm -hmm. like, all of that. But he still ends up dying. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but, like, what? what is he so guilty of that the film, like, condemns him? Is it, like, being complicit? What's happening? Because he might not be cutting into her, but he's, like, enabling it, right? Yeah. I think it's also important to remember just like in the context of the film that like she has killed the entire house and the place she was at before. Well, yeah. And yes. there's also this idea that Tommy says like, you know, we're just in her way. Her yeah. vengeance isn't specific, but it still applies to yeah. the two of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Tommy's death definitely has more significance. I think mm -hmm. that Austin's is just kind of, yeah, he's kind of collateral damage and just collateral. has to go because there can be mm -hmm. no one left at the scene of, at the scene, basically. So yeah, I didn't really read his as having any thematic importance, at least not as much as Tommy's. But yeah, I mean, unfortunate, but kind of made sense given the scene at, at the mm -hmm. beginning of the film and how it's paralleled at the end when it looks like people are trying mm -hmm. to break out instead of someone having broken in, which is also a great way to like the first scene where the other officer's like, it looks like they were trying to break out it's like oh shit yeah <laughs> like yeah. yeah and then you kind of see that again you see that like repeated again when yeah. they like walk into the scene and there's mm -hmm. like that hatchet hole like from the shining mm -hmm. in the door yeah yeah it's good the thing that i like keyed into this most recent watch was the way that the film deals with the past and like the need to like go of your past and like overcome that and how that's like a healthy and positive thing that you should do i mean jane doe's been around since Salem and like 
understandably she's upset because of what they did to her Mm -hmm. but like reliving that torment and going through that with each autopsy or like whatever else people are doing to her like can't be healthy for her either and it creates like this destructive cycle Mm -hmm. and i think we also start to see that with tommy who can't move on from his wife's suicide because he blames himself for it but you start to see him like isolating himself and like starting to show like some worrying signs like he won't talk about things very Mm much Mm -hmm. and austin even seems like trapped in his past as well in like a different way like he can't let go of his childhood home he can't let go of his safety like emma talks about how they're gonna like leave is what my assumption was she's like oh you haven't told him yet Mm -hmm. you haven't told him that you're leaving what's he gonna do and he just he's just like stuck there and whether that's because he's like expected to carry on the family legacy or if it's just like part of the culture of that place but he he's also trapped and it's like everybody has like this secret past and it either consumes you or you or you move on from it and i thought that was kind of like a cool insight that the film had yeah i think it also like ties into that read of that we talked about earlier about like depression and like mental health and how that can you can look okay and like look happy and fine on the exterior but Mm -hmm. like be messed up on the inside i love that we chose this movie i think it's like a really good like i said before like a really easy watch and if you've made it far in this episode and you haven't watched it well i'm sorry that we spoiled everything but it (laughs) basically definitely worth your time i would definitely give it a shot because like it is still like a really enjoyable film like even if you know what's gonna Mm -hmm. happen like the techniques used are just like really really great and interesting and fun and i just i really like this movie it's a really good one to just like throw on in the background while you're doing something else or just like if you're like i want to watch a movie but i don't want to watch anything like insane just like put on the autopsy of jane doe it's great if you can find it if you can find it it's currently on (laughs) amc plus it's like uh the ifc unlimited channel on amc plus that's where it is now i watched it it was on, on a free trial. It was on Netflix for years. I know. Netflix forever. The day I years. went to watch it, I was like, it's not fucking here anymore. What I was so pissed. Yeah. I was like, I literally texted Heidi like, is it seriously not fucking on Netflix anymore? I'm so mad. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I own and it. And I was like, well, I already, and you were like, I already got trial. a free trial. And it was on AMC Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yep. well, too bad for you. Yep. <laughs> I think that's all for us this time around. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it all the way through the episode, like I said before, um, go ahead. And if you feel so inclined, follow us on Instagram at slashers prefer blondes podcast and leave us a review or like a rating on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you next time.